Welcome back, everyone, to Soulback. This is the R&B podcast. Kyle here back with Tom and Ed. What's going on, guys? What's up, players? What's up? What's up? I did it, guys. I ate a chicken wing in full. I sent Ed the evidence. First of all, Ed, the results. <laughs> The results were still poor. Look, player, <laughs> I will say that you did better with the removal of the chicken, but that top part had too much meat on it. There was enough Listen, there. If you, if you eat a chicken wing and there's bone showing, I think that counts as eating the thing entirely. The bottom bone, but the top bone, <laughs> there was no bone showing on the top. Oh, you did man. a half job on that. Oh, here we go it's again. better, but it's not great. Um. <laughs> uh, so another week, another podcast. Uh, we've done a lot of different topics, but recently we've been showing love and celebrating these legendary producers. So two weeks ago, we did Timbaland. Last week, we did the Neptunes. And this week, I think it's appropriate that we do Rodney Darkchild Jerkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, legendary producer. And to me, even when I call him a legend, I would also call him underrated. I mm. agree with that. And I think it's because so much of his work, at least in my opinion, so much of his work we remember in like an era. We remember 98, 99, early 2000s. But if you look at his discography, it spans pretty much from the mid-90s to today. And there are so many tracks that y'all love that we're going to talk about today that I bet you did not even know was produced by Dark Child. So, And I think he should definitely be considered underrated, but one of the best. That's the thing I was going to say as well, Ed, because, um, you know, Timbaland and the Neptunes, they were kind of out front. You knew it was their production most of the time. You know, Rodney Jerkins did throw his name on the tracks at times, but you didn't always know it was his work. So he definitely flew under the radar at times, even though he was killing it behind yep. the scenes. Yep. And we got to give a shout out to Sean Stockman, who's joining us for this. He's tuned in as well. So shout What's up, out to Sean? Sean. Oh, shout out to the homie. Great uh, album himself. Absolutely. Go check out that Sean album forward. I love that album still. But let's talk about Rodney Jerkins here. I mean, so much to uncover with his career, but I want to take it to the early parts here. This is one of the first productions that we came accustomed to knowing from Rodney. It's the Gina Thompson record, Ed. Yes. It's interesting because in 95, even though I love that song, I guess 96, um, I did not know at the time because he was not the name that we know now. I didn't recognize that it was the Rodney Jerkins, the Dark Child, until mm-hmm. a few years later. And then I went back and was like, oh, Dark Child did that. So we were talking earlier about how he had touched so many songs that people didn't really know. In 96, we didn't know and we didn't realize how big his career would be. I love hearing about this era and shout out to the interview you did with him, Kyle. If mm-hmm. everyone hasn't checked that out, check it out on the site now and how he even made it into the game. It's a really interesting story. but. I mean, the the interesting thing about that song, too, is the remix is the one that gets the, really the yep. credit. Yeah. And the original is pretty dope, too, though. Yeah. You know what's crazy about Rodney when I interviewed him? He told me, like, his journey started, like, super early on. Like, he was working with Teddy Riley early on. And, like, this was in his teens. And, Tom, like, we talked to Robin yeah. Thicke as well recently. And he started in his teens, like, 15, 16. It's just crazy to see how these future stars, they started grinding, like, super early Ed, at 15 years old, I was still figuring out how to do like trigonometry and stuff. <laughs> yes, me too. But it's it's so important because it's something that's lost today. We expect so much immediate results from people. You come out, mm-hmm. if you aren't multi-platinum with a, drill, a zillion strings, your first 
go around. We need to throw you away. But so many of these legends, they build upon their legacy because they took the time to start out grinding and they learned and they got better behind the scenes. So by the time they blew up, they had experience on that side and they knew what they wanted to do and they had a foundation. So I love to hear these stories about the artists we love, the years they spent grinding, because that's what really got them to where they are today. Yeah. And Kyle and Ed, I'm pretty sure when I was 15, I was spending all my time playing Mario Kart on Nintendo oh, yes. 64. I was not <laughs> I was not trying to make productions and song right. Me <laughs> sure. and you both. <laughs> on those red shells. Yes. That's what I was doing. Oh, you guys mean you guys didn't have a number one hit at 15 or 16? Oof. Can't say that I do. Not even close. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, Let's get into Rodney's uh, production afterwards. So we had that Gina Thompson record, and then we had the Aaliyah record off One in a Million. But, I mean, I think all of us really became aware that Rodney was going to be dominating for a while. I think the first one was the Joe record, Don't Want to, Don't Want to Be a Player. Tom, you love this mm. song. Love that song. And, again, that's not one I knew was him until years after because I didn't check the liner notes at the time and, and really have interest in even looking. So... Years later, I found that that was his work. Really dope song. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite Joe songs. And then, Ed, at the same time, you have the Mary J. Bly Share My World album. Mm. Break down yeah. this album for me, Ed, because this album is a little different than Mary's first two. I think Rodney helped out with bringing a new sound with records like Share My World, I Can't Love You. Like, just talk about that era of Mary. Because this is one of my favorite Mary albums. That one's on the wall there, too. And I'll say that was one of the first times, because I used to read the liner notes. That was one of the first times I remember his name popping up a lot. And I was like, okay. I would always look and see who did the tracks that I loved. And I loved I Can Love You. I love the title track. So when I'm seeing this name popping up in familiar places, I'm like, okay, this brother's got something. But when we look back at the sound of this album, and shout out to my boy, Eric. We just had a discussion about this on Twitter yesterday. So Mary was an artist who always evolved with every project. So we heard the kind of dark and almost sullen sound of the second album that everyone loves. This was a brighter sound for Mary. Brighter in the sense of the, the writing and the direction and the tone of the lyrics. But the production was still, still very soulful, still had the hip hop edge on some of the songs. But it was a kind of a marriage between the hip-hop soul and the soul that would really take off in the 99 Mary album. My man Dark Child was the bridge of that two sounds. And this is why this album sounds so much different than the previous one. But in my opinion, still one of her best albums. Number two on the list for me. Mm. I, I just found the Mary song I didn't know he did during this era. The song A Dream from the Money Talks soundtrack. I didn't mm. know that was I love him. that song. Yes. Yeah. Dope song. I mean, Tom, let's go back to I Can Love You. Can we just give little Kim a shout out? Because her verse, like the way she enters that <laughs> verse, is, it's crazy. I haven't heard anything like that. Yeah, one of the best verse, you know, guest feature rap verses. And that's one that still gets people hype when you put it on that record, and especially <laughs> Kim coming on the track. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to hear that one. One of uh, my favorites of all time. And nobody comes into a track stomping like your girl, Kim. She, mm -hmm. Every time she had a verse, she just had this amazing opening line that stuck with you. And that I told you once, I told you twice, I quote it to this day. <laughs> Let me uh, ask you guys a question, though. As we're going mm -hmm. through some of these songs, something I'm noticing is a lot of use of samples. Now, the first two artists we, we talked about, or producers we talked about, Timbaland and the Neptunes, weren't really as sample heavy, mm -hmm. kind of came with creative sounds. Do you guys hold that against Dark Child at all? 
for you know flipping because there's a whole generation that hates the era that started using samples and everything. How do you guys take his use of them? That's an interesting question. I'm glad you asked it because back then, because I can speak from from this experience, a lot of the the generation before I me, mean, like my aunts and uncles, and even some of my older cousins, didn't really like sampling because they were like, "Oh, they're just stealing hits from the past. They're mm-hmm. riding off the hits." You're just vibing to the original song. You aren't vibing to the new song. And we hear a little bit of that today with um, artists when they decide to sample 90s stuff. I like a good sample. It fits used effectively. If you're just singing over an old beat, that's kind of lazy to me. Mm, But if you take a production and you put a different spin on it, it works two ways because it has the familiarity. So your ears perk up because you're like, okay, I know this song. It sounds like a hit. But then when you put your own flavor to it, and it's like, okay, you own this version of the song. I like a good sample, and I think it works. Mm. So. I mean, I'll look at it like this, because I think a lot of the songs that were being sampled in the 90s, they were sampling songs from like the 70s and the 60s. Those were songs that I didn't fully know. I didn't grow up with. I didn't have emotional yeah. attachments to. So when I listen to songs like uh, from today, like Tank just released a record that samples Maxwell's uh, A Woman's Work, and it's like, I know that Maxwell record. And yeah. so I think my reaction to that is a little different because I grew up with that Maxwell record. So I don't think there's anything wrong with sampling, but sometimes when they sample records that I grew up with, it kind of hits a little different. It's like, <laughs> don't touch that. And I love that tank record. So this is not a shot at tank, but yeah, yeah. you know, samples are just, it's a sensitive spot. I, I think when it's done well, I love it, but I don't know today. I feel like samples aren't being used creatively yeah. like I, I love yeah. the her record uh da- damage and um you know i know that i know the original song too but it just has to be done tastefully and uh it, it's a tough one I, I i don't hold it against anyone that samples but you got to come correct on it Kyle, mm-hmm. you become our parents because they were saying the same <laughs> thing about our i mean yeah. about i can love you that sampled a little kim song that was like not even a year old yeah when i heard yeah. that i was yeah. like what but uh, each their own it doesn't bother me if it's done well, it doesn't bother. Um, let's talk about another record here that Rodney did. Uh, Tatiana Ali's Daydreaming. Ed, people love this record. Yes, this song, I'm telling y'all, it's hard to say if you weren't around in 98. I'm telling y'all, I love this song. I thought she was going to be huge. I thought she was going to be in the trajectory that we saw with Brandy, with Moesha. You see mm. this TV star and she starts to do her R&B thing. She already has the fame. She has a hot song. I like Daydreaming a lot. I think it was, I mean, it wasn't number one, but it definitely did extremely well. It was everywhere. That was kind of really her only shot at the top. But I mm-hmm. thought this was the one and she was going to be next level. So shout out to my boy for doing that one. That was another good one and very underrated in his discography. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom, let's talk about Brandy. Never say never here. Can it be considered that The Boy Is Mine is the biggest R&B duet of all time? Of all time, wow, on the spot, I'm answering that question. Mm. I'm going to say, with no research or knowledge, I'm just going to say no. Just because <laughs> it I, is I don't, a no. What's, a big can, no. what's one that's bigger be. than that? I Off mean, the top of, uh, go ahead, Tom. Something that came out probably years before, which I don't know at this moment. Mm. But Luther Vandross and somebody, Stevie Wonder and somebody is probably my answer, but I can't think right well, now. Well... Let us know in the comments. For our I mean, Marvin, 
for Marvin our generation. Tammy. I mean, it, you got to look at it for your generation, yeah. for our generation, maybe. But it ain't bigger than Marvin and Tammy. Come on, y'all. Like, it ain't nowhere near that. What level. song is that? What song <laughs> did you all I need? Oh, my God. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you thought Method Man. Isn't that a Method Man, a, Mary, isn't that a method man song? Oh, see, That's this, a Method is Man why, song, isn't that? This is why I need to be on the podcast. You don't know a sample when you hear it. Oh, um, man. No, but Tom, The Boy Is Mine, massive song. It was just epic to see Monica and Brandy coming together for a record. And that's a song like you have songs that are good for a year or two. But this record has lasted. It's over. I'm trying to do the math here. Is it? It's over 20 years now at this point. Yeah. 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 I mean, I remember when it came out. I remember the the video vividly. The only thing I didn't like, I almost felt like it pitted those two artists against each other. Mm-hmm. When it was more like a, a fun collaboration and people were almost like choosing sides at the time. And unfortunately yeah. it looks like they still are, which I they are, <laughs> but, but man, his work on that album, I know Kyle, you should be the one to talk about it a bit more, but you know, epic stuff. Yeah. I mean, I posted this on our Instagram yesterday. I felt like the debut was awesome. I love Brandy's debut, but this like took it to a, a different level it kind of brought her into superstardom, just the, the songs and how they were um, structured, the production. I think Rodney did an amazing job with it. It had a more advanced sound than what we had heard in R&B and Angel in Disguise. I mean, listen to that song. That tells you everything you need to know about yeah. Brandy and Dark Child in 1998. Player, forget that. Put put me on. Put me on. Put that on everything. <laughs> put me on <laughs> So many, I love that album. So many album cuts. I've told y'all before, when the album cuts are better than the singles, because the singles on that album were good, but the album cuts to me were incredible. When you have that level of hidden gems, you know you got a great album. And the, the thing that's interesting to me about this album is obviously it helped springboard both of their careers. But to me, it was a little bit of a risk for Brandy to, to take Dark Child to do the whole album because he wasn't like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but he wasn't one of the biggest producers no. yet at he that was, time. He was not, a new producer. Not at the time, yeah. no. Yeah. So it was, I mean, to me, it was a bit of a risk. And, and it paid off big time for both of them. Yeah. Now This was his coming out party and hers. Yeah. Like, I yeah. mean, she was already a star, but this yeah. launched her. This launched him. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the record with Mace, Top of the World. We forget how big Mace was at that time, but he was mm. huge. Oh, I know. <laughs> you were not a Mace was, fan? <laughs> I was not a Mace fan. Oh, the original man. mumble rapper. No, I was oh, not. Oh, man. He not had swag, all. though, Ed. He had something, but I didn't <laughs> like it. Is, wait, isn't his first album a classic? It depends who you ask. If you ask Twitter, The Weeknd has four classics. You ask me, oh. I got a different opinion. <laughs> Tom? Is it a classic? I mean, it's considered a classic, I guess, here. It, it always bothered me that hey, he was smiling all the time. Ed, what was he so happy about? I don't know. I guess if you're running around with Puff and you got like money just stuffed out of your pillow, you're smiling about everything. I, I like the original Mace when he was hanging around with the children of the corn. Yeah, yeah. And Cameron. Mm. That's a combo for another time. We'll talk about that later. Murder Mace was my favorite Mace, not Smiling Mace. We love Mace. Uh, <laughs> at the same time, at that same time as the Brandy album, we have the Whitney Houston album. It's not can I right. Say, can I say something very controversial? Well, of course, I'm going to say something very controversial. Oh. We love 
Dark Child and Brandy. I might love Dark mm, Child. Don't and say Whitney. it. Oh, wow. Really? Damn. Just as much. I'm Hold not going to say more, but to me, it's 1A and 1B. I love the work he did on this album. Absolutely love it. And Hold the up. chemistry they had, let I me, felt it's so underrated. Let me take a look at this track list here. My love is your love. It's not right, but it's okay. Smash. Mm-hmm. If I told you that, that's actually mm-hmm. a really good song. One of my favorites. Get it back. That is also a very good song. Uh, I bow out. Mm-hmm. Also a very good song. Okay. I come with the receipts, player. Yeah, that, I said it, I said it. <laughs> that's a pretty good body of work right there. Uh, I love that chemistry, and we don't talk enough about that pairing. But I feel like that pairing was one that I really want to see again. That really gave. A Whitney a new sound. We were talking earlier. Shout out to Sean because I thought about it when Tom and I were talking kind of offline about boys to men going into the the next millennium. I really wish they could have like done some stuff with him around that mm. mid two thousands time because I feel like he could have pulled just something different out of them. That's what Dark Child was able to do with a Brandy and a Whitney. And when you've already got the talent, man, you could just go to the next level with that. So, 1999, 98, 99. Tom, I'm going to mention one of your favorite songs of all time here. So brace oh, yourself boy. for this one. I'm ready. The Coco Records, Sunday. Yes, Night. I knew it was coming. <laughs> I knew it was coming. That production is epic, Ed. I love that song. I, it was like, to me, it was a perfect coming out as, you know, for Coco as a solo artist. Unfortunately, that album didn't get the attention it deserved, but love, Which is love, ridiculous. love this. I like that song. I, this is another album where I like that song, but the album cuts were even better to me. That is a really good album. If y'all haven't heard it, please go check out Hot Coco. I love that album so much. And again, more chemistry found with Dark Child. He did a few um, a few tracks on yep. that joint. Yeah. You know what I love about that that beat too? The the song is called Sunshine. The production feels like a ray of sunshine when you hear it. Yeah. I felt like it went perfect. And the video, she's like on the side of a cliff and it looked like she's in paradise. Like it was, I thought it was a hit. I was like, okay, Coco's next up. And we just didn't get it. It surprised me. We need more songs like that in 2021. There's too much like sad, depressing, moody music. I just want to feel uplifted and just feel great. And once I play that, I know I'm going to feel good after. That's what (laughs) we need. I've been saying it. I've been saying it. We need something with some energy. Please. So are you are you putting money that Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack will be able to do this for you, Ed? I got oh, money boy. on the table. I wow. got money. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm going to be throwing stars at Tom's head. He's going to be annoyed, but it's I can't wait. Mm. I've never been listened to an Anderson Pack record yet. You haven't? They're pretty good. <laughs> no. They're pretty good. The last no. album was very good. <laughs> Anyways, I'll tell you what else is good here. Ed, one of your favorite artists here. Jennifer Lopez, if you had my love. See, I was about to strangle you, but I love that song. Oh, I Kyle, have... you messed up. This you messed is... up, Kyle. Uh, I know. <laughs> I, got, yes. I got another one in my bag. Don't worry. You'll, you'll love the next one, Tom. <laughs> well, see, you almost messed up because if we were talking about your era, Murder, Inc., J-Lo, yes. Mm. Trash. But I love that song, and I love that one. Of all the songs that are sitting out here on the old shelf, I've got the single of If You Had My Love. Fun, fun song. But are we not going to acknowledge the fact that Shantae Moore has a song that sounds like exactly like that record? 
which I didn't realize until you brought this up like a year or two ago. And I'm like, well, yeah, now you've ruined it. But I don't <laughs> care. I still love the J-Lo song. The one J-Lo song I love. Don't take this from me. Tom, can I? You, yep, go yeah, ahead. I was like, can I backtrack to a song? We missed, yes. but go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say with this J-Lo record, because you're from New York and J-Lo was obviously a big thing at that time. How big was that record over there? No, it was huge here. I remember her album was called On the Six, which obviously mm-hmm. is a New York subway train. And she was huge here. And I didn't even really know her because I don't watch movies. Ed, you know that, right? I know it, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, she. I remember all the singles coming one by one. I don't think it was a Dark Child song, but that song with, with um, Big Pun and Fat Joe, man. Now that's a feel-good song right there. Mm. Feeling so good. Yep. Yeah, I forgot about that song. Mm-hmm. It was not bad. What were you going to say, Tom? I want to backtrack to 98 Monica's The Boy Is Mine. I mean, sorry, not The Boy Is Mine, Angel of Mine. Oh, yeah. yes. I yep. like that one a lot. Yep. That's that one a, I wanted to mention. That was a remake, though, right? I think that was like a remake of another like. A was that a remake? I, I believe so. Hmm. I, need a fa- I need a fact check on that one, guys. Fact check in the comments, please. <laughs> fact check in the comments. I want to say it is, but I yeah. can't think of who made it, so I won't speak until I look that up. Hmm. Um, I'll bring up another record here, guys. Damn by So Plush. Ed, what happened to So Plush? Man, so what a plush. Man, what a great blast from the past. What was that? Like the like the Blue Streak soundtrack or some random soundtrack. I love that song with Ja Rule on the beat. I don't know what happened, but I heard their album on YouTube a year or two ago, mm. and it's not bad. Yes, shout out to Show Plush. <laughs> Shout outs to Ja Rule. I forgot about those six. Shout outs to Ja Rule for doing charity work. Oh my God. My oh, God. Man. This is 99. He was looking for those checks. Yeah. Yep. I think Holla Holla was out by then. It was. No, yeah. no it was. It was out by yeah. then. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> um, now let's talk about the Destiny's Child record, Say My Name. I think this is probably, arguably, I don't know. It's either this or the boy's mine. Dark Child's biggest hit. Is it fair to say that? Uh, probably so. This song was everywhere. Yeah. And I remember it took me off guard because the album was already out for a while and they had other singles. But then this one came out and it just exploded and was everywhere. And I was like, it was like people were rediscovering Destiny's Child for the first time off of this single. So it was a big one. My most memorable thing about it is Dark Child 99 at the beginning of the song. Yep. It made me think. <laughs> Was that the first time he he shouted out his tag? Well, or... Coco on the Coco record, she says "Dark Child 99 as well. Got it. He I this was a, this back. was the era of the Dark Child tag. I can't remember which one is the first, but this is definitely when you started to hear. Was he one of the first to do that? I want to say yes. Because I'm thinking back. Think of too many. I mean, obviously, Jermaine Dupree used to shout on tracks, but he was on the song. I mean yeah. that was that was different. He was an artist too. Yeah, yeah. Travis was just shouting on the track and not like being a featured rapper or like Puff, where he's just mumbling on the track like DJ Clue. Yeah, like I can't think of anybody just shouting out their tag before him. I don't want to say, yeah. oh, he's the first because somebody's going to say, oh, you forgot about DJ Rubber Band. But other than that, <laughs> I, he may <laughs> DJ be DJ Rubber Band. Yeah, because t- Ed, if you think about it, Timbaland during that era. He may be beatboxing and ad-libbing over it, but he doesn't literally say Timbaland on the beat. Yeah. No, right. Never that, I can't think of anyone before him. 
uh, mid midnight R and B edition said Rodney Rodney Jerkins started the tagline. So I thought that I was thinking about that earlier in the day. I was like, was he? I was trying to think about it. I can't recall anyone else either, except for DJ Rubber Band Man was maybe the first yes. that I think. That was the <laughs> Taliban. Yeah, he was shouting them out in '92 or something. Now, before we hop onto the new millennium, the year 2000, I got to mention these songs that uh, Mr. Darkchild did. Top, you'll appreciate these ones. All right. Brian McKnight, Played Yourself, and Brian McKnight, Stay or Let It Go. Mm. Those are some great records right there. Some great records. I like how, you know, Brian McKnight has a very distinct sound. It's yeah. definitely adult R&B, and these kind of fit his sound. I didn't feel like he pushed too far outside the box, so... As like like Brian McKnight on that bad boy song was a bit different, but mm. this one these these have felt work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed, what were your thoughts on the uh, Spice Girl record Holler? <laughs> shout out to I'm sure Darius somewhere around here lurking, waiting for us to shout that out. I remember that song because this is when Spice Girls were hot. This I don't know what at that mm-hmm. time. So Dark Child doing his thing on it, giving it some new flavor. Shout out to them. I, the song was all right, but mm-hmm. boy, it was one that's remember. If I think of songs that, if I think of Spice Girl songs, that's one of the few I can think of. One of the literal three I can think of. But Tom, wow, there's some there's some yeah. Keith Sweat songs on this on this discography I'm seeing from Dark Child. That we can even we're just gonna graze those over or what? Tom, I didn't even know he did Keith Sweat records. Ed, <laughs> what songs are these? I was, that's what I'm saying. What Dark Child Keith Sweat songs? I have the discography. Oh wait, is it um put you on? Did he do that? Yes, 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 yes. yes. I forgot about that. He didn't put you on. That was a yes, that was I do like that one. So you're saying so, that one was forgettable? Exactly. It was not forgettable because <laughs> King Keith was on it. It was magnificent. Mm. But I did forget because and again he's got the the tag on it in the, at the beginning. So yeah, Dark Child knew what he was doing with those tags. And he definitely knew what he was doing on He Wasn't Man Enough by Tony Braxton. I oh, remember yes. this song. It was huge. The music video was huge. And this brought Tony into the, the new millennium. A lot of artists struggled to break through in 2000. Yeah. But Rodney gave Tony a huge hit with this one. This one was so much fun. And Tony, again, was another evolution. We talked about the evolution of Mary. This is an evolution for Tony. Lots of energy, even though she was being sassy and telling her dude off. I guess telling the girl off, too. But I love just the, the sound and energy that Dark Child put around it, and it just made it so fun. It's just a fun record. It's definitely, if you look at that song compared to what came before her, for her, mm-hmm. it was definitely a lot different. I mean, she was kind of slow and, you know, um, the tempo was kind of low. It w- and this was kind of out there in your face. And, yeah, and mm-hmm. I think this was a bit of a risk, too, for her. It was definitely. And it definitely worked. I mean, I, I could get into it. It wasn't like, you know, a lot of times we see artists trying new things and it feels forced. Uh, this didn't feel forced to me. It kind of felt like a natural progression. So I like it. Do you guys think people in that era were more open to change than they are today? Um, In some ways. In some ways. I do remember some pushback to this song, I will say. It wasn't like everybody embraced it wholly. Mm. I think just the difference today is people, y'all are just miserable today. And it's just like everybody <laughs> <Yeah>. runs to <laughs> Twitter. To holler on the screen. And we didn't have Twitter back then to complain yeah. and to elevate the complaints. But for the most part, I do think that people were more excited and more accepting of their artists coming back. So when Tony comes back, it's like, oh, what's Tony got? Oh, this is a new sound. It's not like, 
well, that didn't sound like the last album. This is trash. Mm. It was different, <laughs> but it worked. I'll say, though, back in 2000, before social media and everything now, I feel like when a song was played on radio enough, you were conditioned to think it was good. Yeah. So, like, even if you didn't like it at first and, and eventually just kept hearing it and it grew on you, you just eventually thought it was good because the radio kept playing it. I feel like back then, before we could hear everyone's different opinions and, and know more than we do now and hear, you know, independent artists, really, it was just everything was forced fed to us. And we really just thought if it, was, if it was a number one single, it must be good. Now it's a lot different, obviously, with people on social media, but it was a, a totally different time back then, if you guys remember, you know? Oh, yeah. I definitely. And one other point along with that that I think is lost today is that you had time for a song to grow on you yeah. because we had yeah. only had radio. So there are many songs, even that song I thought was okay at first, but I eventually grew to love it. Today, mm-hmm. you hear it one time, you're like, oh, it's trash. And then you just go to the next because you have a personal playlist yeah. of a gazillion songs yeah. that you can just tune yourself out to. So you don't have time for the music to really grow on you unless you force yourself to. So what we're implying here is that people on social media today will listen to a song for 30 <laughs> seconds and deem it a classic. <laughs> Oh yes, man, thirty, fifteen, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Once that drum hits, classic. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> we got to do better, guys. We need uh, to do better. Another album that came out is Michael Jackson's Invincible album. Rodney did the bulk of this album. It had been quite some time since Mike put out an album. You Rock My World comes out first. Chris Tucker's in the music video. I remember how big this moment was. It's kind of weird, though, because I thought the song was bigger than it was. But when I look at the charts, it wasn't a super smash. It was like number Mm. 13 on the Billboard 100, which nothing wrong with that. But I always thought it was like a huge, huge smash, Ed. Yeah, I told you that 106 in Park effect. A lot of times (laughs) there's songs that you just feel like a big deal. Because if you're watching TRL or AJ and Free and it's the number one song, you think that kind of aligns with the charts. That's not necessarily the case. I remember when You Know My World debuted on BT, and they were like showing it on a loop. Mm. So yes, this return to music was a huge deal. Um, and it's an album that I've gone on record to say I didn't dislike it, but I thought it was meh at the time. But it has grown on me a great deal over the years. And I think that the reception to the album has gotten a lot stronger over the years as well. I like that song a lot. I. I don't know if it's just you being cranky about it, Ed, or if people in general don't like it. I can't remember which it was. I, I feel like the, it's a mixed review on that song for some reason, but I love it. Well, for the most part, I feel like most people like that single, but the album people were kind of more mixed. I wasn't gotcha. big into the single, but again, it's just like an album that I grew to love later on. And Kyle, yeah. to reference your interview with Dark Child again, I, I loved hearing the, you know, some of the story of that. But can you even imagine being a producer and being in the studio with Michael Jackson at the time, like yeah. the magnitude and, and the pressure you must feel to be around such greatness like that. Yep. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's epic stuff. Yeah. Cause like when you look at Michael Jackson, he's the biggest artist of all time. Yeah. And he's making this mega comeback and Rodney at that time must be younger than 22. I would imagine. <laughs> and you got to deliver a hit Ed. And Michael Jackson is sitting across from you or next to you, you cannot come in here with some old halfway made beats or some, oh, I gave this to Monica. She ain't like, you want this? Like, that ain't going (laughs) to work for Michael. So you got to come hard. And 
good for him for living up to the pressure and delivering because half that album is Rodney. So yep. he did the thing. Hey, when we talked to um to Robin Thicke, he wasn't even allowed to be in the same room as Michael when he was recording the song he wrote for him. I mean, he had to hold the glass up to the freaking studio door. Yep. I've that's heard not- that from other artists too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Michael I mean, was that's- that big. Yeah, yeah. So um, at the same time, uh, I think this happened around the same time, actually, like simultaneously. But Rodney goes on, links back up with Brandy and does the album we know at, known as Full Moon. Uh, mm-hmm. People on Twitter call this the greatest album of all time. Hmm. Uh, I'm actually uh, I'm actually surprised to see how many people call this like a super influential album. I think over the last eight years or so that's really sparked up from this new generation of r&b lovers but when i look back at that album like what about us is a cool single but some of those album cuts i really like yeah it's a good album i do think that it's worth has been exaggerated over the past few years but a lot of that you know music is relative and there are a lot of fans who are in their 20s now where that album was one of their first beloved R&B albums. And it is a great album, no question. So if this is your early experience with R&B, for your ears, this is what R&B should sound like, especially when it's delivered with the quality and masterfulness. I mean, vocally, Brandy, this may be her best album vocally. So, of Mm -hmm. course, you're going to go back to it and be like, this was the album that made me love R&B. So this is the album that I feel like is on this top level. It's a good album, but... I don't think it's her best. I don't think it changed the world. It was a good album, y'all. Chill out. It's interesting to think about because Rodney Jerk- Jerkins was was killing it, you know, over the past five years from this time and dominating. And then if you look at this is worth, you started to see, I don't want to say slip ups, but, you know, he didn't get the, the lead single on that album. Full Moon was written and produced by Mike City, which is probably the best song in the album, in my opinion. Wait, and then, wasn't... Hold on, wasn't What About Us that came up before Full Moon? Yeah, I that meant was... the, the biggest the biggest hit from the album. Was What About Us was big, wasn't it? Hold on, let me see. I didn't No, I didn't What think. About Us was big. I don't know which one was bigger, but What About Us I didn't think fine. What About Us was big at all. Was it no, big? It, it was yeah, big, it'd be fine. Yeah. But Full Moon, uh, I would say Tom is is the one that's lasted longer. Plus, that's the the, the album was titled after that song. So yes. I mean, that's almost like a slight to Rodney Jerkins since he did the previous album. And then the title of the album went to a song done by someone else. But then, same year, you might have been bringing the song up, but Monica's All Eyes on Me. Oh, yeah. Which is a cool song, but it didn't get released. It got shelved. Not his fault. Yeah. But it it, was interesting. That's a great song. No, that is a really good song. Isn't Monica dancing in that song, Ed? Yeah, (laughs) Monica. That whole album just didn't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that whole album didn't make it, and that album isn't bad at all. Again, mm-hmm. you can find it if you know where to look, but that was a decent album. Did they shelve it because that song performed poorly or some some other issue? I can't remember if that was it or she was just having some issues at the time, some personal issues going on. Gotcha. I can't remember the story, but there was a there was a definite reason why it didn't happen. But I feel like I saw the video like twice in advance. Yeah. So it was almost like they pulled the plug more so than it just didn't work. Yeah. It, it's crazy about that, just to circle back to Brandy, because there's a lot of great songs on here. When You Touch Me, obviously, is a great one. Nothing like that whole body of work, I think, is is great. Yeah. I don't like I wouldn't call it my favorite Brandy album, but I think there are some really good songs on there. But that What About Us beat, 
That is the Dark Child early 2000s bounce. I don't know if that's aged all that well today. It feels a product of its time. And yeah. as yeah. much as I love, you know me, your boy going to keep it real. As much as I love Dark Child, this was around the time where we talked about this with Neptunes last week, where his sound just started. You knew what a Dark Child sound, song sounded like because yeah. they were starting to sound kind of similar. And this was the era was like, okay, here's a dark yeah. child joint. So yeah, it's a good song in a vacuum, but at the time it was kind of like, okay, that's that's the sound. And <laughs> it just feels very much like the time period. Yeah. Um, I guess we gotta go into 2003 now. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest moments for me. Uh, as I grew up listening to R&B was his work on the Honey soundtrack for the group Black, the record I'm Good. Do you guys remember that one? Great oh, song. Yes. Honey I soundtrack like song. is behind me somewhere. No question. <laughs> That's, that was a great song. And uh, at that same time, Tom, he worked on some records with Third Story. What happened to them? Third Story. I'm glad you brought them up. I was looking here. I didn't realize they were on Deaf Soul at the time hmm. when this came, when this single came out. But what happened to them? I don't they kind of disappeared after around this time. I don't even think this album ever came out. Their first I album, I remember. Yeah, I don't think it did. They are another no. one that kind of I remember in and out in that weird early. There was a lot of groups that kind of came out in the early 2000s. Yeah. So they, yeah, they didn't make it. But this song is cool, actually. I like this song. After that, I think we get into the second phase of Rodney's career which is important for every artist is to consistently switch up your sound and bring a new style. This is, this is actually my favorite dark child era. This is the mid two thousands. We start off with the destiny child record, lose my breath, but then we also have cater to you guys. Those were both big records. This is, and I know it's funny. We're talking about this in the cypher, the soul and serial cypher on Facebook. Y'all can roll through and join us to chat about this stuff. All day long, 24-7. I can't even keep up. But I really like this album. And a lot of the singles that came were courtesy of Rodney Jerkins. And he did his thing on them. This is maybe my favorite Destiny Child album. And he was, like, knocking them out left and right. And the difference is these sounded different than the traditional Dark Child sound. And that's what I appreciated about them. You know what my favorite thing about this Destiny's Child album is, Kyle? What is it? I'm just kidding. I never listened to it. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I got to throw one of those in there every time. Come on. Unfortunately, yes. Mm-hmm. However, however, Kyle, one of your, he did a song around the time for one of your favorite artists, Kyle. Who? Lloyd. He did. The uh, song Trance. I don't remember that song. That's on his debut, right? On his debut, yeah. Oh, hmm. I need to go back because I don't yeah. remember that one. Yeah, but Tom, he also did a song for one of your favorite artists. We talk about him every week. <laughs> Who? Your boy, Ray J. One wish. Oh God! We talk about Ray J. Every week. I must have missed some weeks. Tom. I've already given my statement on Ray J. Do I need to keep speaking on him? Okay, no. Ed, can we talk about the One Wish record? <laughs> if you ask my generation. 
that song, So Sick by Neo and Mario Let Me Love You are the three biggest R&B records of all time. I don't know why. And again, that was another big song, but that's another song I never got the just undying love for. People love that song. And it's right, it's your generation because I remember when I was like doing mentoring in Louisville around this time, it's like 0405. The kids love this song. And I was like, guy, it's all right. It's not bad, but I don't know. Maybe when you got young middle school love, this is a song for you. Do you realize, guys, if you would put on Ray J's One Wish today for, for young kids, they would probably think that Ray J's vocals are the equivalent of what we think Stevie Wonder is. Yes, I mean, they would. To what I mean, compared to what they got, maybe <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh, man. No, that's an amazing song right there. Uh, I guess uh, you guys are hating. And then we had the Bobby V record, uh, turn the page, which sounded very identical to it. But we'll talk about that mm. another time. My computer, <laughs> my computer seems to be acting up right now. So he goes, guys, give me one second. I'm trying to figure out what's happening. It's lagging really badly. Yeah, you're I'll, frozen on my end, but we can hear you fine. Don't worry, I'll I'll keep the discussion going. Ed, I found another one from one of your favorite artists. In the meantime. Oh boy, which one of my favorites is it this time? The song, the song is, and we're gonna need a translation on this song. It's "Drop That Heater," and the artist is Omaria. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! From ice pops to dropping a heater, <laughs> this dude just could not get his temperature together. That was from Omarion's debut. Couldn't say I, I was a a fan of that one. I remember that album though, no question. Is Kyle, Kyle still frozen? All right, I'll keep it going. Yeah. I'm on, all right, we're in 2005. Mary J's The Breakthrough Album. Yep. The song Enough Crying. Do you remember that one? I do, and I really like that song. This is, I think it was an official single, but it's just, for yeah. some reason, just didn't get the attention. But I like that one a lot. That album, to me, is just full of little gems like that, and yep. this is one of them. So, yep, love Enough Crying and love this album of Mary, this era of Mary. Yep. Here we go. Now, here's a good one. Uh, Sharifa, I Need a Boss. Yo, that song is crazy. Oh, Sharifa. <laughs> Sharifa, I thought, was going to be a lot bigger than she was. She was on DTP, which was, yep. that was a big deal at the time, running around with Luda. Luda was a gigantic star. We don't celebrate him enough, in my opinion, for being both mainstream and extremely talented. He was the best of both worlds. But Sharifa was there, and I can't remember if this song, if this is another 106 in Park effect. I remember this being a big song. Maybe it really wasn't, but it definitely was all over BET at the time. I don't think it was huge. But then again, I'd have to check. Kyle, I, I got to slow down. We're getting up to your favorite era right here, so I'm not going to... Yeah, I got go to figure out what's going on with my computer. It's lagging really, really, we got, really bad. Because we got... Now, I'll bring up this song, actually, because this one I actually didn't even realize was Rodney Jerkins. Okay. Deja Vu, Beyonce, and Jay-Z. Yes. Yes. And again, this is another Rodney Jerkins song that doesn't sound like him at all. And I didn't at the time either. This was another one. People made a big deal about this one when it debuted. And it's a fun song. This is another song that grew on me because at the time, there was so much hype. I was like, it's fine. I don't get the hype. But... 
and as time has moved on, I've really embraced it. It's one of my favorite songs. I love her performance of it as well. Yep, he is did his one, thing on this one. Now, would you consider that one timeless, or or is that one to you now dated? How do you view that one? No, I don't feel like this one's dated at all. I think that it yeah. doesn't. I mean, I guess it sounds a little bit like its era, but it doesn't sound so stuck in 2001 as like a he wasn't man enough with those fast strings or whatever so i think there's enough energy to it that it feels current as well so in some ways i might hesitate to call it timeless but it definitely has extended its existence feels like it's out of 2006 which is a good thing all right i'm i'm back now uh i just have to charge my laptop (laughs) (laughs) oh oh boy this guy's gonna go dead and kill us all I think if your laptop goes down, it's over for this whole podcast. It is, but um, where are we? Have we talked about the Mary J. Blige record "Enough Crying" yet, Tom? Oh, where she's rapping? yes, yes. You enough late player. We've been talking about oh. that. <laughs> so where are we at now? We well, just discussed Beyonce. Let's bring in the Tamia Between Friends album, Kyle. Mm. You want to bring that one in? We oh love yeah, that album. let's talk about that one. Can't get enough. Yes, my song. One of Great. her best songs. But I'll tell you what's a better song than that. And it's no, it's not too grown for that, Ed. But it's the the song, the way I, that I love you. Yes, I agree. I that's agree. a that's a pretty good song. I, is yep. it better? I might give you that. It's just neck as good. Neck, the I'd question. Say. They're it's both right there. there. I would. That's one of best. What What about too grown for that? That doesn't really sound like a Tamia record. Nah. It's, it's sort of a banger. It's okay. I like it. It's, it's not solid. bad at all. Where's Nicolette? She needs to weigh in on this. She's a resident <laughs> Tamiya um, expert. Um, She's in here. All right. What'd she say? <laughs> no, she didn't respond yet. I just saw her in the, in the chat. Uh, okay. I'm going to name a couple more records here then. Uh, Megan Rochelle, The One You Need. I don't know if you remember that one, Ed, but I love that song. We discussed uh-huh. that, Kyle, when you were uh, out of commission. Am I that far away? Really? I'm just kidding. No, we didn't. Do we didn't get down Megan that far. Rochelle, Kyle, come on. Hey, we made it. That's when you know you've made it. Uh, <laughs> the Jay Hall. Yo, this is my generation right here. Jay Holiday's Be With Me. Sierra's Can't Leave Them Alone. And Ed, Keisha Cole's Should've Let You Go. Big song. Keisha, Keisha Cole's Should've Let You Go. Yes, Keisha was all, this was like when she was kind of peak Keisha doing her thing. And again, and I think you missed this, Kyle, when we were talking about this. This is the era of Dark Child where Dark Child didn't sound like Dark Child yeah. anymore. And I like that. I like that he broke away from that early 2000s super fast strings that we were used to. So this is something different and it worked. Um, I almost feel like this is the type, this is around the time I started tuning him out, unfortunately. Oh man, these, these weren't the type of artists I was into at the time. Well, I'm this sorry. was the era where we were tuning everybody out because we're getting into the late two thousands, and this is when yeah. stuff started getting kind of rough. Let's just keep it real. But the songs we mentioned are good. It just overall we started seeing cracks in the R and B foundation. Well, yeah. I just remembered a song. I'm going to bring this one up, Tom. One of your favorite groups of all time. <laughs> oh yes. God. B five. All B5. I do. Ed, that was huge on 106 in Park. The Michael that Chris, was the big on record. That was huge. <laughs> Weren't they standing on a bus? All I remember is them standing on a bus. Yeah. But yes, that was a big record at the time. And it was a decent remake. I thought it was solid. Mm-hmm. I, I There's some Beast 5 stands around here. They'll shoot you if you aren't careful. That's true. I, oh, no. I better not say this. I'm going to get shot. But I actually didn't even know they sung. 
because I oh, went to their listening event and all they did was dance. They put on the song and just dance. I just thought they were dancing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what you thought they were a dance troupe? You didn't know they <laughs> yes. were singing. Oh, they just danced to music. I don't know. Oh boy. All right, uh, we got to wrap this up because uh, I think D'Angelo's versus thing is coming up in like 10 minutes. Oh, I forgot that was tonight. Yeah, so I think we'll have to end off this decade with a couple of records here. We have Feedback by Janet Jackson. I think she says Asian Persuasion in the song, which is why I like oh. it. Oh you my would, God, calm you down. You would get canceled for that. If yes, you, said you that would. That That's would true. not work 10 years later. That's true. Um, and then the Brandy album. This Brandy album is hated by many. It has the record right here, Departed, which was a decent hit. And then mm. Long Distance, which was written by Bruno Mars. But this album does not get love on social media, Ed. Why? Which is weird because it's not terrible. Like, it's not. There are worse albums, and I will not name them because I don't feel like fighting with y'all all night. But there are worse albums in her discography than this one. This was a, I will say it was a little disappointing because we heard that this was the reunion of Brandy and Dark Child, and we thought it was going to be Full Moon slash Never Say Never. And it the songs weren't bad, but the energy just wasn't there. And I think I've told this before when we talk about these sequel albums and we expect people to suddenly turn back the clock and sound like they sounded 10 years ago. You can't do that. You're a different mm. person. So I think that's one thing that kind of had expectations were set too high. It wasn't a horrible album at all. None of these songs were bad. Maybe not really memorable, but certainly not bad. And just to bring it up to date here, because, I mean, we could go on into the 2010s as well. Yeah. Uh, but to bring it up to date, I, I didn't even realize he did it, but he did the her record, Hard Place. And that was a Grammy-nominated oh, record. Oh, huh? uh, yes. That song I played to death in this in Soul and Stereo Studios. Good Lord. Wife loved that one. So that <laughs> one was all over the place. But, yep, another song that you would not expect was from him. Yep. So, I mean, where, where, you might have been about to say this, Kyle, but where is his place in history among yeah. the greats? Where do we, where do we place him? He has to be up there as one of the best because he had album cuts and he had hit records. Normally, you have the hit records and you don't have the album cuts, but he had both. He had he has records that aren't even singles that people still play today, like half of that Full Moon album. Like people mm-hmm. still listen to that, like it was a single, but yeah. a lot of them were just album cuts. So I think for that alone, he has to be considered one of the greats and his ability to change with the times. Um, some might argue you might not be able to recognize a Dark Child record right away, and I think to, it might be detrimental for some people but to me that's a plus he was able to switch yeah. it up multiple times to me i agree that's a plus because it shows that you're not a one-trick pony and if you created one beat that was great and you just keep making it over a thousand times like some of these producers today that i will not name because y'all can get in trouble mm. but <laughs> there's some people who create a sound and they just like keep retooling it over and over again and there were some spots where i was worried about that with dark child but he has quickly shown that he can branch out beyond that. And when we talk about what made last week, what made the Neptunes legendary when it comes to the big singles, when it comes to the album cuts, when Mm -hmm. it comes to the influence, when it comes to being remembered, when it comes to launching other artists to another level, which he definitely did with Brandon and a bunch of others we discussed today. He checks all those boxes. So to me, no question, one of the best to ever do it in R&B. Don't think you can. Well, the fact, the fact we're still talking about him 25 years about after he came out 
is, is puts him in rare company anyway. So, yeah. I mean, I, you got to say, I mean, I don't know what the, if we're talking all time, I guess top 15, top 20, uh, if it, of his generation is easily top oh, five. Oh, his generation, we're talking top five. Yeah, in, oh, his, yeah. in his own generation. In yeah, all in his generation. He's... All time? We're going to do an all time list? I mean, oh, all, <laughs> all time I go crazy, but generation, yeah. I mean, top three easily. It yep. might be, and I he might so. not be two or three. I don't know, but it's, he's at the top of the list clearly of the producers for R&B for the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. No question. I mean, would you rank him more highly than Gamble and Huff? You can't compare the two. <laughs> Gamble and Huff? Good Lord. <laughs> you got it. I'm going to have to bring out, where's that meme with the dude with the chalkboard and all the stuff? That'll be me trying to figure this out. Uh, mm. All right. I'm well, messing with you guys. Let's do this before we wrap this up here. Your favorite three Dark Child records. Oh, man. Starting oh, come on. We got to do it. We've, we've done it for everyone else. We've got to do it for Rodney as well. I'm totally unprepared for this, but I'll just start and say, Mary J's, I can love you. Let's do that. Man, if you're going to say that, I don't know where you're going with number two and one, but I'm, I'm curious now. <laughs> Damn. Where am I going? <laughs> <laughs> Ed, um, I tried like to write some notes as we were talking and songs that I, I loved, and I got like seven songs I'm staring at right now. I will go with "If I Told You That" for number three. Really? Yes, I love that song. Y'all thought I was playing. I think mm. his work with Whitney <laughs> is up there with his work with Brandy. All right, uh, Midnight R&B Edition. You're about to go to the verses battle. All right, you you have fun there. I think you'll probably have to wait like 15 minutes before they actually get started. If you think D'Angelo's starting on time, let me tell you something. (laughs) You can hang with us another 20 minutes. (laughs) All right, my number three will be... It might have to be the Ray J record, One Wish. I know you guys don't love his singing, but my goodness. Someone cut that guy. Yo, he was dancing in the rain in that song. I got the scissors right here. We're cutting it. it. He he was dancing in the rain. You gotta love that. I guess. Number two. Oh, man. I'm going with Brandy. Which one? <laughs> the whole discography? Put that, put that on everything I'm going mm. with. I almost you know did that, that for number three. Do you know the intricacies of that production? It's just yeah. so smooth and mellow, but it's complex at the same time. So, yes. Number two, Ed? Number two... I'm going to go with Brandy, but not that one, because that one was going to be number three, and then I threw Whitney ahead of it. I'm going to do Angel in Disguise. That Ooh. song, to me, is one of the songs, one of the, I won't say Miss Opportunity, because everybody knows and loves that song, but to this day, where is the video? Where yeah. is the video? That's you needed true. a video. That was all over radio in 98. I loved it. Still love it today. My number two. It might have to be the Tony Braxton record. He wasn't man enough. Really? It's a hesitant yes at number <laughs> two. I might backtrack on that and pick like a Sierra or a Sharifa song, but I mean, that Sharifa song is pretty banging too. Need a boss? I'm going to go with Tony Braxton, but we might switch that up. Tom, number, number one, one, I'm going to go with the same choice as. I don't know how to pronounce your name on here. Leon's B. Noel. It's Mary J. Share My World, number mm. one. 
Love that song. Another one that was on my list. Love that song. I was I was thinking of Joe, but I can't put Joe in the top three. Why? Can't do it. Why can't you put him in the top three? I don't love it that much. But you know, share my world. That's an amazing production, right there. Wait, who produced the uh, who produced the big pun record with with Joe? That wasn't Dark Child, was it? No, no, no. Okay. I can't I'll, remember who it was. Like. I'll fact check real quick while you're picking. And the results are in. Nobody. Nobody. That's the name of the producer with it. K N O. Wait, I th- he produced a Neo song too. I think. Wow. On, I, I uh, have no idea. On year of the go to year of the gentleman. Wait, no, no, he didn't. Nobody is the name of the song. Never mind. He produced oh the Remy God. Ma. <laughs> he produced the Remy Ma and Neo song. There you go. Oh, so that yeah, so there you go. I was close. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> All right, Ed, number one. Number one. Let's get back on track because this guy. Oh man, I gotta go. I, gotta, I love this album, y'all. Mary J's album. I'm gonna do. I can love you as my number one. This mm. list will probably change, and if I did it again an hour later. But just right now, that's my number one. Wow. My number one. And Tom, we forgot the Avant song, uh, Mr. Dream. That's not a very good song. <laughs> what about... Uh, <laughs> or a very good production. What about Grown Ass Man? That's a good song. Yeah. That's uh, a good one. But, but no, not, not top three. My number one record. And I need someone to vouch for me on this one. Mm-hmm. Brandy's When You Touch Me. That's like the best Brandy song of all time. If you ask Twitter, it is. Can I get some Twitter love here, guys, in the chat? Because Brandy's when that song, do you understand? I I specifically, and this is a this is a fun fact for you. When we do our interviews, we try to stay away from the album cuts because no one knows those. But mm-hmm. I broke the rules and I asked Rodney specifically about that song because I love it so much. Because that song from top to bottom, it's like a journey. And uh, yeah, that's like the best Brandy, best Rodney Jerk, best R&B song, period. It's a good song. I, it's another song that the love for it, I'm kind of taking aback sometimes. But it's a good song, so I can't hate. And I'm not getting a lot of love on in the comments. No, no. Oh. You're banned pretty much. for the, or... Brand is like, good luck with that, Kyle. Your boy, probably, Theo. You guys should have just kept me frozen. In, in the spirit. <laughs> you should have. In the spirit of D'Angelo coming up next, can we all name one song we're looking forward to hearing from him tonight? Huh. I, I'm, a me, I'm a me I'm and hoping, my dream and I type of guy. So. Nice. I'm actually just hoping to get some further understanding of the Voodoo album tonight. Oh, my. Look, player. <laughs> it's been 21 years. <laughs> Give it up. It ain't happening for I don't know, Tom. Maybe if you play it through your phone speakers, it'll sound like way better. Yes, there we that, go. That's like the last hope. But if Brown Sugar comes on the song, oof. Oh, man. I'm sure it'll come on. I can't. Th- I can't see him denying you that. Well, do you think people will, will will start taking their clothes off once Untitled comes on? How does it feel? I would hope not. <laughs> I will. This is why you can do what you want in your room, but just don't turn the camera on. I don't need to be seeing all that. <laughs> And then you gotta you gotta wonder if he's gonna take his clothes off during that song. In twenty twenty one, I seriously doubt it. I don't That's think true. he's still in shape, is he? No, no, he, he <laughs> has long let that go. He well, has told he's talked about <laughs> the pressure of trying to stay up in shape in the two thousand body. Kind of mm. unfair. Let that man eat his skills. 
Skittles are good. Um, I think that's it for for this week. We got to get everyone over to that versus battle now. But Tom, what's going on with SoInStereo.com? Tom, what's going on with SoInStereo.com? Is that a trick question? <laughs> Sorry, Ed. I'll pay attention. I'll step in and do that one. So SoInStereo.com. Yeah. So we're still waiting on some actual albums to drop. Gee, so I had my boy Joey from Twitter come through and we did a head to head on Kendrick Lamar. I thought it was a really good one because he had some great insight into is Kendrick the greatest artist of his generation? You can answer that for yourselves or you can check out Soul and Stereo and see what I think and what my boy Joey thinks. And I think last week I mentioned that I went through and ranked our boy Case's albums. His discography is very underrated, y'all. So go through. Check that out. See what we think about that. I think his album, his discography is very solid. This week coming up, I don't know, since nobody drops albums anymore, maybe I'll do another ranking. Maybe I'll have another head-to-head. Probably worth digging in for another Love Letters. We'll see. It'll be a surprise. Tom, is Wally better than Kendrick Lamar? What? Oh, by far. Without a doubt. Hey, I'm, gonna go, I'm going to listen to D'Angelo. I ain't paying y'all no money. Did you hear that Wale and Lloyd song? I don't think I had the <laughs> pleasure of hearing Wale and Lloyd. No. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sabotage? Ed, you got to go listen to that song. I'm sure I've heard it, and it went right out of my ears. What, I about, anyway. what about Matrimony by Usher? We haven't heard Usher sing like that since you reminded oh, me. Oh, now that I remember. That was good. I do remember Matrimony. All right. Uh, Tom, what's going on with you? know I got so. Well, we recently interviewed... Ed's cousin. That was a great interview. Who? Which cousin not, now? I've got Tim. Not Chris Brown. I mean, Kelly Price. Oh, I didn't know you interviewed my aunt. That's my aunt. That's not my cousin. I didn't know you interviewed Aunt Kelly. I got to check that one out. Is it posted? Yeah. That, no, that'll be out this week. I'll coming in a few that. days. That was a good one. A bunch of new songs came out, Kyle. I saw you put some up. Yeah. India Sean, go check out that record. Um, Joyce Rice, go check out that record. Tank dropped a new record, and I'm on record to saying I like that song. So it's not bad. Tank, it's not bad. Tank, tank fans don't come for us. Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of great songs. Uh, I also interviewed Breland. You guys might not be familiar with him. Ed wasn't, but then I sent him the "Don't Touch My Truck" song, and uh, he was not. And happy. I was not happy. But then he sent another song, and I did like that song. So <laughs> we'll see if the third song gets to Ed, but uh. Yeah, we're we're staying busy here. Uh, if you guys notice, we're starting to change up the video layout for our published videos as well, just so it looks a little more professional. Not really sure how I'm going to deal with the the frozen camera today for me, but I'll work my movie magic. But I think that's uh, I think that's it for this week. Uh, the 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 tip of the day, I'll give this to you guys before we get out of here. For all mm-hmm. my people, and I know it's not a lot of you guys because all of our listeners seem to be like 15. But for any, anyone over 30, I highly recommend. That you stretch every day. Stretching yeah, is very boy. important. You didn't do this? <laughs> oh, see, I, I come to the old side of a me player. You're starting to learn life. <laughs> yes, you have to. Or oh, boy. Yes. Now we just feel old. But anyways, guy, I, I think we're out for this week. Everyone enjoy that D'Angelo versus. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk about another producer. Who should we talk about? Should we talk about Jermaine Dupri? Might be time for JD. I'd be down for that. All right. We'll be yep. here to talk about JD. And I also just posted our Jagged Edge interview, too. So it'll tie all in. And uh, we'll talk next week, guys. So you guys take care. All Thanks. right.